This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 174 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Diane. I'm Sammy. And I'm Steve. And we are back on schedule. (laughs) Yay. Yay for Mondays. Yay for Mondays. We actually got a decent handful of tweets from people last week because if you weren't with us last week, we released a few days early Friday night alongside the style music video. And when Monday came rolling around our normal release date, we we got a good handful of tweets there. People are like, what do I do with my Monday now? (laughs) Well, here we are again. So sorry to ruin last Monday for you. But we made it better this week, right? Right. I guess we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it should be be a good episode. We're doing something interesting. We got kind of a dual discussion going this week. Going to be talking to you about both the Vogue article and the Style Memories videos, which are... I, would you consider those outtakes? They were just scenes that I weren't feel used. Like out, outtakes are more like mess ups. So these yeah, are yeah. Just... I think these were just like alternate mm-hmm. options or something. I don't know alternate scenes. But we'll get to that in just a few minutes. And um, before Sammy gives us the news, I do want to give you this episode's joke of the week, brought to you by our good friend Rachel. You ready? Yes. No, I mean. Well, since Sammy's giving me sass right now, we'll direct this at her. (laughs) Sammy, what do lawyers wear to court? Besides suits? You're close. They wear their law suits. (laughs) 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 That's really funny. And again, that was brought to you by our good friend, Rachel, who actually uh, helps us run our Instagram account for Taylor Talk. She is a graphic artist and does some cool stuff over there. So definitely go follow it. Taylor Talk Podcast is username on Instagram. Bunch of unique stuff you're not going to find anywhere else because Rachel makes it. (laughs) So can't find it anywhere else except there. Moving on with the episode, Sammy, what has been going on in Taylor's life and career lately? So the 1989 bonus tracks will be released on U.S. iTunes, according to a tweet from Taylor last week. Wonderland was the first hitting iTunes U.S. store, and the same night Taylor tweeted the news. No year word yet on You Are In Love and New Romantics and when they will hit the U.S. iTunes store, but I would imagine it won't be too long. I think it'll probably be weekly. Your weekly? guess is as good as mine. Yeah, so like this week will be You Are In Love and next week will be New Romantics. What about monthly? Or that be um, long? No, I feel like she's gonna. they're going to do it closer. To I don't know why they wouldn't just do all three at once. I thought it was going to be like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever they were. But then I Googled or I searched for You Are In Love and it didn't come up. So They could be spacing it strategically based on sales goals they want to hit because, Maybe, because Wonderland uh, was in the top 10. It's not yeah. anymore, but it yeah, was. They were. they were. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I'd... Uh, February 17th, Taylor appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon for a short interview, and they did a hilarious skit where they were dancing on the Jumbotron at various sporting events, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. It was super funny. It was really funny. <laughs> they wasted a <laughs> and, lot of popcorn uh, in that skit. <laughs> they did, and it was. she tweeted later that it was like live, so like she had to cha- do all those costume changes like it, they didn't pre-film it, so oh wow, yeah. So yeah, she that, had to change it, in like two point five seconds. Or yeah, something. really. I can't mm-hmm. imagine what it was like to be in the audience watching in between like 
when they would show on the video like the other people and she was just like running around changing before they showed her like that would have been so funny did, did you guys have a favorite part of that I like the robot. I was a personal fan of the robot, but the karate like, part was really funny too. Yeah. The karate part was funny, but um, my favorite part actually was um, for flash dance. That was Taylor, really Taylor. Funny. Taylor actually did like the feet thing that they do in the movie, which yeah, is hilarious. She did. The maniac thing, yeah. If you guys are confused, we're referring to <laughs> dance moves that they did in this video right now. I kind of like. Didn't they do the sprinkler at some point? Maybe. Yeah, I think she yeah. did. Didn't yeah. she yeah. pour water on him or did something yeah, like that? Yeah, she threw well, a giant bucket of water on it. it was a flash uh, dance. Yeah, I like that yeah. part. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Taylor appeared on Saturday Night Live's 40th anniversary special along an all, alongside an all-star lineup and created a skit called The Californians, which is a regular skit that she's not in, but she was in this week. Um, and if it wasn't enough to celebrate SNL's 40 years, later that night at the after party, um, Taylor celebrated by taking the stage with the one and only Paul McCartney performing the Beatles. I saw her standing there as well as shake it off. Hey. <laughs> Adam. Just Adam, I was like, Adam, are you alive? This just happened. Are you alive? <laughs> I love Paul McCartney. That was that was the ultimate fanboy moment for me. Seeing I, I was, my absolute yeah. two favorite artists on the planet on stage together. And then and. uh Jimmy Fallon talked about this with Taylor about how that wasn't pre-planned. Like Paul McCartney was performing on stage with Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi and Jimmy Fallon. And Jimmy Fallon was like, come on stage. And apparently um, Taylor and Hyam were standing in the corner by the stage. And Hyam was like, we have to get you by the stage to get you on the stage. And she got on the stage and they were talking to Paul McCartney. Uh, yeah, Paul McCartney, and he was like, okay, let's sing a song. And she was like, I don't know if he's going to know Shake It Off. And he was like, we're going to sing, and I saw her standing there. It's an E. And then she was like, oh, okay, let's do that real quick. <laughs> That's and then cute. they sang Shake It Off. Yeah, it didn't really look like Paul McCartney was that familiar with Shake It Off, but he made it work. He knew it enough. He like He improvise. was singing the words. Yeah, he well, he was, playing, he was playing guitar or bass. I didn't even notice, actually. I wasn't paying attention. Um, but he was playing an instrument of some sort, and I'm sure he was able to just improvise along with it, just follow yeah, her cues. Yeah, but he knew the words. Like, if you watch it, he's singing with hmm. Taylor. Like, he knew it. Well, unfortunately, there isn't no full video of it, no, but we did find the partial videos, of course, and we'll have them up for you guys at taylortalk.org slash episode 174. Yeah. Show notes. Yay, Diane. Yay. <laughs> That's Diane's shop. Everybody go read the show notes at taylortalk.org slash episode 174 because Diane spends her night every Sunday night working hard and typing them up and then cries when nobody reads them. I don't cry. I just like it when people tell them. me that they read them. I'm like, really? <laughs> what? <laughs> someone happened? read what I wrote? That's so, awesome. Someone appreciates me? I'm so excited. We're going to have to put some like secret stuff yes. out there that we you guys have to go check out that. the show notes sometimes i do i put little <laughs> jokes in there spell really? words with yeah see um, i don't read them so yeah see know. sammy oh. doesn't even know <laughs> well sammy just revealed herself as a non-reader i'm non-listener there's also a poll up on the website currently What's the current poll? Trying to figure out what people's favorite music video from 1989 is. We've gotten three of them so far. What's winning currently? 
currently blank space is in the lead. Me too. I agree. Um, I forgot what's second and third, but I'm going to find out really quick for you. Dude, I mean, dude, I know dude. that second and third is either style and shake it off. I just don't remember what Sarah, order. I think it goes blank space, style, shake it off. But... Yes, blank space, style, shake it off is the current <laughs> order right now. But style and shake it off aren't that far apart. They're only like 10 percentage points apart. Yeah. No, but I mean, blank space is a long lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of music videos, we did get those scenes we were talking about just a few minutes ago. The style memories, they were the unused scenes from the style music video. There are two of them on Taylor Swift's YouTube channel. So the first one shows a clip during the part where she's like, just take me home, that whole thing. And there are very distinct differences between what actually made it in the video and this alternate scene, right? Do you so- guys think that the placement of the video fits where they wanted to put it in this song in terms of lyrics, or did they just kind of put that on top? Like, we're going to show you these shots, but we're going to put them to the music. Like, do you think they're related? No, I think that they were, like, specific, like, they were made for those parts of the song, and they just for whatever reason, went a different way. Okay. I think so, too, but that is an important question, Diane, because the differences between this alternate and the actual video are a very light, dark, black-white type of difference. So the the new one that we just got, the, the outtake, if you will, it's not really an outtake, it's alternate not. scene, yeah. is all lighter colors, has a scene of them <laughs> smiling at each other, on the beach, there's sunlight... Um, the original, the actual video, it's very dark, and Taylor sings that line, just take me home, with a very, like, painful look on her face. And the reason I think this is so important is because it changes the entire meaning of the video. It kind of changes the mood. It does. It absolutely does. So it also changes the meaning of that line. So just take me home. In the actual video, that interpretation in my mind anyway, is that it's, how do I describe this? It's because it's a painful look on her face and things of that sort. Just take me home is like the end of a bad something. And it's like, just take me home and leave me there and drop me off. Yeah. 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 Take me home. Come with me. So yeah, (laughs) you're right. You're right. So it's very literal in the sense, like I am not happy right now. Take me home. Mm -hmm. Now in this new interpretation in the alternate scene, where it's all happy and them smiling at each other, just take me home could be used in a metaphorical sense where home is her happy place. Like, take me to my happy place. Maybe. (laughs) Sure, we'll go with that. (laughs) Haven't you guys seen... Never mind. I was going to say Happy Gilmore, but now I'm going to get a bunch from you guys about, nobody's ever heard of that movie. I saw it. It's a great movie. Thank you, Steve. That's back when Adam Sandler made good movies. (laughs) Exactly. Uh I'm not a fan of those Adam Sandler movies. It's unfortunate he's gone downhill, but he was good back then. So I just think that is a very um, sort of profound difference in that Mm -hmm. sense because it changes the meaning of that lyric, like a very distinct difference between the two interpretations. And so I wonder how the darker version is what made it into the final video. Well, I mean, the darker version kind of goes along with the rest of the video like if it had been that dark like the dark images the way that the whole video is and then it all of a sudden became these light images it wouldn't have made much sense so i wonder if there was like 
a completely different music video that they shot almost that had that part in it or if it like was just kind of out of out of place you know what I mean like like if you watch them simultaneously it's like you know this dark you know the memory kind of thing that we talked about that whole all last week and then all of a sudden it's like this bright light happy I don't know what situation you know what I mean like it's it's very out of place like it's very it kind of changes the whole meaning of the video. Like if it's like this, like sad, gloomy, like n- memory of like so a you bad situation, new... and then all of a sudden it's like, "Hi, I'm happy. Let's let's enjoy this moment." Well, you know so I mean? you think that it was too much of a contrast with the rest yeah. of the video if they were to use the light and happy video? Yeah. However, that also could have been deliberate because, like I said, it's based on the interpretation of the line. Either the line is "Take me to a happy place" or "Take me home because I'm miserable." Yeah, so, but I think, but I think visually, like it just wouldn't. I mean, while that line may have different meanings, visually it would have been out of place. Okay, just, that makes a little despite more sense. what that line but means. I, I mean that that description makes a little more sense. But it, it hmm, how was I going to word what I was going to say? I do this quite often to myself. Uh... Uh... <laughs> Steve, what do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs> was I the only one disappointed that these were very, very short little clips? I wonder if there's going to be more. Well, Steve, like, if you if you figure a music video to begin with is fairly short, I, I mean, mean only, an alternate only, scene, a scene is going to be very short. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's only... Sorry, go ahead. But we were looking for something... We knew that there was going to be something extra because we're almost requiring it now. You know, we had all the... Uh, Behind the scenes clips from Shake It Off. We had the whole blank space experience. And then we get two 15, 16 second clips of style. I, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, they they sort of released them very quietly. Like, no one really knew what was going on. Um, they didn't, like, make a big deal out of them. I feel like there might be more of them. Um and they're just kind of releasing them one at a time to make, you know, a one or two minute thing. You know what I mean? I don't think they were that long, were they? No, but I mean, like, if you have, you know, four or 15 minute, 15 second clips. You're, Ooh, that's... what if what if all of these become a puzzle and when you put them together, it forms an entire new style music video? That's exactly what Ooh. I was just going to say. That would be way too much work. No, Why, all they would have really. to do is film two music videos and then yeah, one of them they work. cut up and release in pieces. Why would they do such a thing? Um, I can't imagine that being <laughs> to, more work than the blank space experience. The reason that I think that they they could do that, you know, and we have no nothing to go on other than what Adam just said, is that the song itself takes on very different meanings for different people. So, you know, we had a whole conversation about how it's about memories and um, you know, I had this thought about how it was like, you know, kind of like a circle video where it like starts and ends and and it just keeps going because that's how their relationship is. But if you watch it in, you know, like a lighter feeling that it's, you know, happy memories and, that you know, it has bad stuff, but like all, overall, it's a good, you know, situation that you keep getting yourself into, then it's a very different, whoops, very different memory than or situate a very different video than the one that we have. Maybe video two will be the happy version. 
too. <laughs> it, or the, not, the, I mean, whole collective video too, not video two we're talking about with, today. That goes along with the second second video in that I think it's an alternate ending of the video depending well, on wh- what part of the song you think it is because it's the chorus, but I think it's the last chorus. Um, and it totally, you know, the way that the en- ending of the video is now where she's in the street and she gets up and walks over to his car, which kind of, you know, to me is like that vicious cycle situation of like, you know, it's where it ends, but where it also begins. Like the the second one is a very different ending, which makes their whole relationship and the whole of the whole video and just the whole relationship in general be very different than the way that it's portrayed in the first video. Does anyone else think Style Memories 2 is an alternate ending? I'm not really sure. I don't know. I honestly have trouble placing it because the lyrics are the chorus and it's hard to tell exactly which chorus it is because chorus is obviously repeated. My main takeaway from that video, though, is that that was the sexy scene. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's already a sexy scene. Like, that's, yeah, it's just like but an there, extended whoa, whoa, whoa. scene. There is nothing in yes, the full is. video. No way. No way. There is nothing in the video like in this style yes, memory. There is. there is straight up. Hold up. Hold up. Let me finish. There is straight up the dude wearing no shirt. Yeah. yeah. Taylor also, is wearing. She's wearing some like lingerie looking pajama yes, top. Yeah, she wears that. It's dark. And they are close, like face to face. And she video. runs, she caresses his back very that's gently and slowly. Adam, I, I think <laughs> Sammy has something to say. Yeah. <laughs> that's already in the that's video. That's already in the video. That, that scene? No, not that, that scene, scene exactly, not. but a similar no, but, scene. But, but what is shirt, in the video is there's a shot of her like touching his peck. So I don't know. Yeah, it, that. That's also pretty sexy. I don't think I saw anything in the video yeah. that jumped no, out at me the way the scene in this did. I think this other, does because it's just a sexy scene. And so yeah, you're like, I think Whoa. it does. But other than the placement of her hands, it's exactly the same as the one in the, in the one in the video already. But it's just the way that it's edited together. Whereas, like, if you listen to the song, it's like where it trails off at the end of uh, style. But it's instead of her getting out of the car. So it's just like... I mean, the the first one is like that, too, where it's there's new scenes and then there's also bits like where he's under the sheet like that was already in the video. So it's kind of a combination of things that they didn't show and clips that are already in the video. I don't know. This scene to me just seemed like it was straight out of the uh, movie of the year for 2015. 50 <laughs> Stop talking about that movie. Um, by the way, when I say movie of the year, I use that sarcastically. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even see it. I I, I didn't either. I've I didn't heard see it negative either. things. I've heard it's terrible. But that's not what we're here to debate, right? <laughs> not at all. Um, I just I, I I don't know. That was just what jumped at me from that video too. And I I do want to keep going with the episode. I don't know if you guys have anything else significant to pull out of these videos. I, I want to point out something kind of outside of the whole video realm, but it was something Taylor tweeted the other day. Um. So actually from the lyric booklet and such, uh, she tweeted the picture of her and uh, Max Martin and Shellback. And she 19th. said about that they re- actually wrote style like three days ago, a year ago. So like February 19, yeah. 2014. Good, good eye, Steve. I remember that, but I completely spaced when we were um, working on planning this episode. Which is kind of interesting, though, because the lyric booklet does have other 
Polaroids with dates and such in it too. So I don't know. Does that mean she wrote those songs, those dates? Yeah, I yeah. Guess so. She tweeted the one for Clean also on the on the ninth or whenever that. Steve, was. does yeah, the date match up? Is there a style Polaroid with a date in the in the? Yeah, lyrical? the one that the she style tweeted is, is in there is February fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. Shake it off is February fifteenth, two thousand fourteen. Now. I'm trying to remember back to the interview where she said, wasn't Shake It Off in style like two of the last songs that she did? Yeah. So that kind of makes sense with that. It would make sense that it was done in February of last year. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday style. And then (laughs) Clean would have been February 9th, 2014. Which is accurate because it was when she was in London and she had a few days off in between um, the shows in London on the first and the second and the... 11th and 12th or whatever it was. Sammy's yeah. been updating on T-Swift on tour so frequently <laughs> that she has tour dates memorized. All right. Well, one more for you then. Here's your test. Oh, Lord. What, what was she up to on January 22nd? 2014? Yes. Can I answer? I, I want to see if Sammy knows. She's Well, she's... Steve, can you hold that thought for a sec? Because I actually wanted to go in to stump the hosts. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. so it fits in perfectly. So carrying right. on with the episode, stump the hosts. I wanted to break up our two discussions here with a little um, little, little fun Jeopardy round. Not Jeopardy, but trivia round, rather. So, it's kind Steve, of what's happening what was right the now. question? Okay, the question is January 22nd, 2014. What song did Taylor write? Oh, Jenny's 22nd side, No Places. Okay, there you go. What was it? I Know Places. I, I, that one? Yes, that one. Oh, good. And it was was before the Grammy, so she was in LA with um, Ryan Tedder. Yeah, Ryan Tedder. (laughs) She's not real good on names, but she knows her dates. (laughs) She knows the numbers. Republic, and I knew that was wrong. I was like, that's not his name. (laughs) I have a question I want to throw at Sammy for Stump the Hosts. Oh, God. I feel like she would know this one, but I'm going to try and stump her anyway. Who wrote Taylor's bio on taylorswift.com? Which bio? She's had multiple. The current bio. Originally, it was Taylor. On the the about page. The current one is not Taylor. Who is it? Unless Unless she added it. I don't know. Like, Taylor Nation. Whitney Pastoric. Who is that? She was a writer for a while for Entertainment Weekly and is now a freelance writer. I don't among understand other things. why. However, I'm however, so there Taylor is a link below Whitney's bio for Taylor that says "About Me from Me," and you can click that. And Taylor does have something she wrote also. Good, because those are the best ones. So there's your fun fact of the day: Taylor didn't write the current bio, yet she still has one on the site. Did anyone get a question actually uh, submitted to it them by work. anyone listening? I have one. I have a good one. You got one? Yeah. Who's it for? Or is uh, it general? General. Um, Who sent it in? Evan. And he wants to know what song off 1989 has a heartbeat in it. Boom, 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 boom. Anybody. Boom, boom. I'm thinking. Wildest dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a remix of that song I created. No, you don't. I don't do. get people excited. I have a remix I created called Wild Ice Cream. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, you do. I've heard that a lot. It goes, it really only has two lines. It's, 
wild ice cream I eat. Or need, <laughs> depending on if you have ice cream or not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The, the lyrics change if I need it or I'm eating it. But uh, that's my remix of Wildest Dreams for you guys. Nice. I, I have a stump the host that came from Jack. He sent it via email to me. And it's uh-huh. for Sammy. Ooh. Oh, man. They all want it, to it, the, 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 Hang on, but the answers are numbers, and that seems okay. to be your strong suit, so it right. should be good. Okay. Exactly what time was Taylor born? Uh-huh. That's it. Uh, let me think. Let me think. That's in your brain somewhere? It is somewhere. I just have to visualize <laughs> it. Um, I'm visualizing. <laughs> Don't do that. Five. No. When you mean visualize, do you mean Google it? No. Two. (laughs) One. Sammy has been stumped, everybody. (laughs) Sammy stumped. What is it, Steve? 8.36 a.m. Did you? Is that because you just looked it up? It is 8.36 a.m. Sammy, I cannot hear you. Where are you? I swear on my life I did not Google that. Okay, I swear on Taylor's life, I did not Google that. Let's not swear like that. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do that around here. Sammy. Nobody should do that. Steve, is that the uh, correct answer though? That that is at least as correct of an answer as I can find. I mean, I've found on the internet, and pretty much that's what everybody says. So, good job, Jack. That was pretty a consistent on the internet there. That was a good one, Jack. Very good. All righty, so let's talk Vogue, guys. On the road with best friends Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss. The uh, recent article that came out in Vogue. And I don't know about you guys. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with these type of um, articles like this and the Rolling Stone ones and things. Why would you hate them? I love them. Well, listen, because I think they end up full – because it takes so long to do this profile with multiple interviews and things of that sort. I feel like it takes them so long to put it out that – it ends up with stuff that's unnecessary. Like in there, they were talking about the gifts she sends out and the 1989 uh, check that she wrote to the girl for student loans, whatever. And I'm like, by now that's old news. I don't yeah. want that stuff in there. But it takes I up think too much the space. point is that they just want to put in all sorts of little tidbits about her. And that just happened to be some of the most recent ones in the past yeah, like, three months. I, I guess that's possible. And Adam, just... this article wasn't really written for like the diehard Taylor Swift fan. It was written for like the average person who's like, oh, I want to find the out Vogue about reader. Taylor Swift and, ta- and yeah. yeah, the Vogue reader. I want to okay. find out about these two girls. Now, Diane, I have a question for you specifically. Oh, I mean, good. it's for everybody, but directed at you specifically this in <laughs> this up? case, because last time Taylor was uh, maybe it wasn't the last time. It was one of the past times Taylor was on the cover of Vogue. You did not like the photos. Oh no, I the hated one, them. The one with her in the hat? Yes. Yeah. The Diane makeup? did not like that photo shoot at all. So I want to ask if you like this one. Yes, I do. You do? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was the I... they were in the desert. I was like, this is different, but I mean, they're, they're still pretty. They did like a whole hippie thing with the well, flowing she, her and... her last vogue shoot was very um hippie like too right with like the long hair and yeah the it was dresses. the one where she cut 70s. her hair she cut her hair for yeah. that shoot oh my gosh taylor cut her hair the no, first that time. was the, the biggest news ever at the time <laughs> when she got when she cut her bangs yeah and then made her hair straight yeah. dramatic. So now yeah. now that we got Diane's opinion out of the way, what do you <laughs> Steve and Sammy, what do you guys think about the photos? Um I like them. It I I struggle with them because and we'll talk about this at some point in this discussion. But 
um, they were talking about how, you know, Carly has, you know, obviously being a model, she has a lot of say in or has a lot of opinion on the clothes that she wears. And Taylor said in the article that she just kind of wore what her stylist put on her. Mm-hmm. And and Taylor's always in her career been very business oriented and has always had a huge say in her career. She's never been one of those artists that are just like, give me a song, I'll sing it. You know, I have no opinion on the song. You know what I mean? And so like her going out there and being like, oh, I just wore whatever my stylist told me to wear. While it looked good, I wasn't thrilled with that. And I wish that she had been more vocal about what she wanted and had it been more like geared towards her personality. What does this have to do with the photos? I actually like that part. Well, you, is you that don't... isn't that what they normally do in Vogue though? Because I mean, I do you guys actually did you purchase it? Yeah, I, have. I haven't found I, it yet. We couldn't find okay. it. I found it at the grocery store. So, so, pretty much the moral of the story is if you have it, like next to the pictures, they actually break down. You know, yeah. they give a little tidbit and then they break down exactly what they're wearing and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, but oh, so Steve, that... are you saying it's paid for by advertisers? Yeah, what they wear? of course it is. But no, I think the part well... that Sammy's referring to is a part in the um, interview where the author is with Taylor and Carly at her house and Taylor does not know what brand she's wearing. That yeah. doesn't have to do with the pictures because she wasn't no, photographed I mean, I in guess, the picture. I guess it doesn't, but at, the, but at the same time, if Taylor is, you know, like we've all gotten used to, you know, Taylor walking out of her New York apartment looking amazing. And, uh, yeah, and we all want to, you know, copy what she's wearing. So I don't. Well, okay. All the girls want to copy what she's wearing. Um, And so, like, her going out there saying that she doesn't even know what she's wearing, that she just kind of finds it in her closet. Like, to me, it makes the whole, like, concept of the photo shoot not seem like it's Taylor. Whereas, like, you know, these clothes, like, they seem so Taylor, but in reality, it's just whatever her stylist is giving her. So, to me, the photo shoot doesn't really fit that either. Yeah, so but the, I struggle with, with photo shoots, I mean, because you were bringing up the fact that Carly is very aware of what she wears. And with the photo shoot, it, it's like Steve was saying how it's got the names and the prices and things like that. Yeah, even even it... in even in a professional context, Carly doesn't have much of a say in what she's wearing. She wears what she's paid to wear. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that. No, I mean, I'm, true. I mean, I'm sure that she's not going to snub her nose at something. But at the same time, she has a very a keen sense of you know who the the fashion designers are what the you know what the look is of the season that kind of thing but that's because she works with them hold on Sammy I think the difference is is Carly might have more of a say in what she wears outside when she goes to eat lunch or whatever but when you show up to a shoot I don't think they get to pick the clothes that they we're on the rack, really. They just no, say, but I would imagine that you know, getting somebody like Taylor on the cover, like Taylor and her team, should have some kind of image of what they want this photo shoot to look like. Not with Vogue. 
I don't know. And what's wrong with that if if it is? I mean, if you're shooting for a magazine and they say, hey, we want you, we're going to have this Airstream out here in the desert, then you guys are going to be in a convertible <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Like, why would you even go, you know what? I, I don't like this idea of an Airstream. I want a pop-up uh, or a tent or something. You know? Because you're Taylor. I mean, like, you know, she's yeah, so yeah, but, vocal about her career that if she doesn't feel comfortable, if she doesn't agree with, she probably you know, feels like, comfortable and fine with it or otherwise she yeah, would be vocal saying, about like, it. So like, why, what's the issue? I don't see the issue. Because, <laughs> I don't see the issue either. <laughs> Thank you, because Steve. To me, because to me, that is just very anti what Taylor has done with her career for so long. I don't think so. She yeah. always lets the magazine stress her up for the magazine photo How shoots. Do you know that? I mean, I would too. If I were her, I'd be like, yes, make me pretty. Like, <laughs> well, uh, Adam, remember when you were at, at Macy's in New York City? You I know, was. You went, and you wanted an outfit. You know, that's what you go to those people for. And then they say, hey, how about uh, this jacket and this and this? And then you say yes or no. Or, you know, you still have your opinion on it. But at the same time, that's what they're getting paid to do. Why would you do their job for them? Well, Steve, as you know, I'm a terrible example because I have no fashion sense. If you remember correctly, <laughs> I had to bring along my cousin who had uh, graduated from the Fashion Institute there in New York City and have her pick it out for me. <laughs> Are you saying you don't have any style? I never go out of style. Oh, that's nice. You're always out of style. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more accurate. How rude. I'm just kidding. The, the, one, the one thing to, to note about the... Uh, the magazine. So what was kind of interesting is as soon as I opened it up, it opened directly to where there's like a super duper close up of Taylor and, and Carly mm -hmm. because they have all those little pamphlets where you have to go, you know, if you want to purchase a subscription, it was like right this there. So it opened right like to that page. What was kind of neat. Mm -hmm. And then um, also in the very back in the index, there's also the, the picture, um, of Carly and Taylor. Were they riding a horse or something from Instagram <laughs> a while back? I, I don't I don't recall. Is there a picture of them riding a horse in Vogue? Uh well I don't they don't look like I think they're just like hugging each other. Maybe that was what it was. It was <laughs> I guess from a trip in Northern California there, oh, I guess. Okay. But, but that's at the end Steve, of the magazine. Now they, yeah. they are both very tall women, but I don't think you can mistake either of them for a horse. <laughs> No, I'm not saying just, that. Just I'm just saying that out the there. picture's kind of cropped, kind of strange. There's like flowers and other weird stuff from a different <laughs> picture that's there. I I don't know. I just that's I'm just insane. It's possible. The vote. Oh, I know what he's Steve. talking about. Weren't they on a motorcycle? Something. I'm looking. I'm looking at them at the moment. She, okay, so there. I have. Uh, I, I'm going to go find the original photo and tell Perfect. you what they're on. All right. In the meantime, though, let's get into the. <clears throat> sorry. Let's get into the the meat, the meat and potatoes of the of the mm, article. Meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes. Um, you know, it, it early in the uh, early in the article there, it has some quotes from Jack Antonoff talking about her, and he is quoted saying, "People are finally starting to discuss her artistry, how she's on the level of some of the great all time songwriters." I thought that was a really significant quote to pull out of there. Mm. I agree. Because, you know, we've often had this debate, well, maybe not that often, but occasionally have the debate on what makes an artist iconic. Like, what makes, what would make Taylor Swift go down in history books like The Beatles or The Rolling Stones or any of those types? And Did she's performed with both of them? 
I guess. <laughs> More or less, right? Well, she got the she got the Beatles now. Well, one of them. There's only two left, but you know. Anyway, so <laughs> it, it just it that particular thing stood out to me because I'm of the argument. I'm on I'm on the side of the debate that says she's already hit Beatles status. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. Because you hear these stories all the time when the Beatles were in their prime, when they were still together and touring, you know, you can't do this anymore because of TSA and security and things of that sort. But the Beatles, when they pulled into an airport, there were women and fans and things jumping on the wings of their airplane, trying to look <gasps> in the plane windows at them. Oh, my gosh. And there were yeah, people screaming and there were people fainting at their concerts. And I'm like thinking about those videos when Taylor arrives at an airport in like Japan or wherever she happens to be going. You know what videos I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah and there are yeah. just crowds of people there. And so, so yeah. that put her in the same league, in my opinion, as the Beatles in terms of fame and things. But what Jack Antonoff is saying here is that people are starting to discuss her artistry. And I think that's hugely important component of becoming one of those icons that mm-hmm. goes down in history. That's not just famous now, but is famous forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the difference between someone like Taylor and some other artists that are, you know, popular currently and that like, yeah, obviously everybody and their mother is interested in Taylor's personal life. But at the end of the day, people are still talking about Taylor as an artist, whereas some of these other people, they won't be talking, you know what I mean? Like they won't be talking about them, you know, five, ten years from now, whereas Taylor is going to be constantly talked about as an artist, whether they care about her, you know, personal life or not. Exactly. Exactly. But, but so you fact- have to you have to make an impact that changes music. That's that's right. the key thing to be able to do, because, you know, if you don't do like, for instance, someone that's still considered iconic in music would be someone like Madonna. Mm-hmm. She hasn't done much lately. I mean, she shows up to award shows and yes. that stuff. But yeah. Be- beyond <laughs> that, it's not like she's bringing a lot of mu- new music to the table, but she right. impacted music so much in her time that it still affects artists to this day. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, someone similar to that would be like Dolly Parton in that she hasn't done anything in a really long time. But in terms of country music, you know, everybody and their mother knows who Dolly Parton is. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, it's an artistry that, you know, you have to be able to grasp at your time and then, you know, be able to continuously, you know, whether you're actually doing something in music or not, you made a difference in your time that goes on and stands the test of time for a really long time. You know well, what I mean? Here, here's what's interesting, Sammy, to add to that is Jack Antonoff's other quote. He was talking about a conversation he was having with his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And in regards to that, he said, we're all talking about it, meaning his grandmother also, mm-hmm. all talking about it. In my lifetime, I haven't experienced that since Michael Jackson, that one artist who stands above and unites us all. Mm. So what you're talking about, or in addition to what you're talking about, is the idea that Taylor can span generations, too, because that's yeah. hugely important. Because Steve can bring up Madonna, you can bring up Dolly Parton, I can bring up the Beatles, and everybody listening to us, regardless of age, knows who we're talking about. For sure, so, yeah. So what you're saying is everybody and their grandma listens to Taylor Swift. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. And I don't, I mean, all of those people, like, they all, I don't know, it's hard to say, but, like, none of them have, like, gimmicks, really. You know what I mean? Like, none of them are, like, you know, Lady Gaga or, like, Miley Cyrus that are, like, you know, have these out of control, out of bounds, like, 
Not crazy gimmicks. <clears throat> outfits like, made of meat? Yes, like like that you, that try and use these things to stand the test of time. Like it's purely just tailor her music and her music, like her songwriting, her singing, and that, you know, Michael well, Jackson was the same way, the Beatles was the same way. I beg to you know, differ it was though, just Sammy. them and the music. I beg to differ. Um they don't necessarily have a gimmick, but they do have something in addition to their music. In Taylor's case, it's her incredible personality and her fan engagement and the way she interacts with people. The Beatles sort of had a culture surrounding them, the whole hippie thing and all the colors and things like that. Michael Jackson has. It's these. It's basically their brand. They have a brand along with them where a gimmick is like a short-term thing that's going to create sales for them and attention for them and things like that. But a brand, I think, is what lasts indefinitely. Mm-hmm. I think it's more than saying gimmick. I think shock value. Yeah. And and that's the problem is you can use shock value to get yourself catapulted to the front of what everyone's talking about, but it does not last. Right. Exactly. Now, something else interesting I pulled out from this article is when she talks about all her lady friends and not dating and, you know, she discusses bringing the narrative back. That's the word she used is narrative there and how she doesn't want to flirt with guys for five minutes because then all the media would be all like her new boyfriend. And so I thought that was interesting because it's something that we sometimes overlook. I think the fact that her life is also a story to the public. Yeah. I always think about that. And I always think about how hard that must be for her. And it's like, who is the author of her life? Is it her or is it the journalists? And she wants to bring that back into her control, and that's a huge part of her not dating. I thought that was just really fascinating because I also thought that um, one of the most surreal parts about meeting her in real life is that she is a real person and not just mm-hmm. a story in the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. And not just a story we discuss on the podcast. She's well, a human being. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and actually, Adam, this makes me think back. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to research before we – started recording today was Carly because this is all about Carly and Taylor I mean that that was at least the the cover and a lot of the talk that's what it was supposed to be about anyway right that's what it was it was mostly about Taylor (laughs) with hints of Carly yeah but that's that's the part that you paid attention to right and if you read through it there there is bits and pieces about Carly but overall it's more Taylor I mean even if you look on the cover it says Taylor and Carly not Carly and Taylor yeah, that's mm-hmm. always an interesting way of how you can. You, you see that with uh, relationships with people too. Is a lot of times that one name is always said before the other one, and sometimes that impacts it. But what I wanted to see was, I'm like, how long have they known each other? And I actually found an interview which Diane will be kind enough to put in the show notes. <laughs> um, they actually <laughs> met that everybody's going to read. Right, everybody's well, it, and it's it's a video on YouTube of. Um, Carly being interviewed after the 2013 Victoria's Secret show. And uh, it's referring to uh, a couple of the questions are like, you know, what was your favorite part of the show? And her favorite part, she said, was Taylor Swift. And that was the first time that they met was for the Victoria's Secret show in 2013. So they've only really been friends for a year. Right. And and the one thing that she mentioned was she was so pleasantly surprised how normal Taylor was Mm -hmm. and that not only that, but Carly was a big Taylor Swift fan even before that moment. But I think that's the important part is, you know, what 
Taylor is perceived to be is actually what she is and yeah. down to earth, normal, sweet, genuine. So that's good. Well, Steve, I think that's a huge part of her success, too, is the fact that that is who she is, because, you know, one little screw up in her reputation could be ruined. But because she's not faking it, she's not going to screw up. Right. Who yep. she is in the well. I don't want to say who she is in the media because the media can spin stories, but mm-hmm. who we all think she is is who she is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's always easier to be yourself than try to portray that you are someone who you're not. Yeah, right. Yes. Now, an interesting quote I found in this article. She said, I have this feeling like if I were to open myself up to love, that would be a career weakness. That makes me really sad because it makes me feel like she's got herself in a box. I knew you were going to say that. I don't, I disagree with that. But I pulled something else out of that that I thought was interesting. Okay, go ahead. Her entire career and what she writes about is based on love. So how could love be a career weakness? Because it puts her at risk of being scrutinized for what she chooses to do with her personal life. Yeah, and then it becomes, you know, Taylor's personal life rather than Taylor as an artist. Yeah, it becomes more about like, oh, look who she's writing about in her songs as opposed to like, look what cool sound she created or look what great lyrics she created. Yeah, which was a big issue with, Mm -hmm. you know, with Red and with 2012 and 2013 is that all of the media was focused on, you know, who she was or who she wasn't dating rather than Red as an album, you know, musically and, you know, sound wise and all of that stuff. So, you know, the fact that she hasn't been dating anybody for two years when 1989 came out, it was very much about the music. That's Um, also a huge part of why even on this podcast here, we've stopped or at least tried to avoid bring it to a minimum talking about who songs are about. Unfortunately, when we're analyzing them in depth, there is, in fact, a male character in the song, so you can't avoid it entirely. But it's not really a, a huge discussion we have. Who's this song about? Where even we actually used to do that. We did, yeah. Like, that used to be one of the main things in, in the song analyses. Who's it about? But now it's not like that anymore. And so mm-hmm. I think that's huge part of Taylor bringing her narrative back into yep. her own. Arms. But I think that also, and this is just goes along with. Oh, I keep hitting my mic. Um, this goes along with what Diane was saying about putting herself in the box. Is that I feel like at the same time that she's been kind of pulling away from you know putting herself out there in terms of you know finding a relationship and being in love, she's you know put herself more out there in regards to having girlfriends, and I think that that's sort of made her stronger as a person because she has such strong female I'll call them characters but you know not characters obviously because they're real people um in her life you know she's kind of been able to find herself as a woman and as a person because she has these people in her life rather than constantly trying to find yourself in a relationship you know what I mean yeah um one of the things that I think is really weird with Taylor and like has been forever is when She's with someone, everybody seems to care a lot. But when um other um when other um when other people date, for some reason like it's not written about as much. And I don't know I why there's a focus with Taylor Swift. 
I think I it's think... a focus with her because that's what her music is focused on. Yes. If 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 her music wasn't so geared towards love and relationships. But everybody else writes about that, though. I but think no, the no, no, problem no, no. Is not everybody beginning. else writes about it. Everybody else's songwriters write about it and they sing about it. Okay. Taylor's music is autobiographical. Very yeah. few other artists are doing that. That's true. And I think at the beginning of her um, career, she would say, this song is about a boy in my math class. Like, she kind of started that story and then it got out of control. You guys agree? Which, again, bringing the narrative back. Yeah. She she started a story, lost control of it, and now she's bringing it back. She's now the author again. Mm-hmm. Or at least she's trying to be. Which, she's taken a lot of control back, but... Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to control the Perez's of the world. Yeah. As much as she tries. <laughs> so I don't know. She really doesn't try, though. Like, she has kind of learned to just let go and let God and let, you know, the you know, let the interviewers say what they say what they want and let her continue making the music that she's making. Yes. Whatevs. It's just now, easier than fighting them. Here's something that shocked me in this article. When they were talking about the 1989 tour, there's a set list to finalize and wardrobe and production design to approve and choreography to learn. Does it shock anybody else that the set list isn't finished yet? That would no. me. Like, it seems that like a huge tour is starting in, hang on, we're about to hit March, so March and April. There's two months. Yeah, but, I mean, if you look at the Red Tour, like, the set list was finalized and then she took a whole song out in the middle of the set list. And Taking something out is easier than adding something, I would imagine. She added a song in uh, during Speak Now. She added ours. So technically, she doesn't have to finalize anything. But ours, she just did on the B stage, though. Yeah, but she still... Easy. No, she she did it on the couch. But she still had oh, to act okay. in terms of, like, lighting and stuff. And all the timing of her, you know, that... All that timing had to be adjusted. I'm just saying it shocks me. That there is that much left to do for the 1980 tour with only two months left. Because in my mind, you would think that now would be the part where they start actually building the sets and things like that. Well, so they can said, get rehearsing in time. She they're just said need... they have to approve it. That doesn't mean that they haven't started. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they've started. I'm sure that they have, you know, she has kind of a general idea of what she wants to do. But if she puts the whole show together and it ends up being three hours long, she has to cut four songs i'd like, be fine with would... it being three hours yeah but she gets charged <laughs> if it's three hours long no one would complain N- she would because she gets charged <laughs> she'd be tired N- no like the venue would charge her if she goes over a certain time the venues charge her because they get charged mm, that's weird it's a, it's a fine kind what else of. are they gonna use it for I don't know, but it's a fine because like it has to be over by a certain time. I don't know. If I, I had to guess, it would probably because pe- yeah, people need to clean up and they have to pay their employees because... longer if the employees yeah. have to stay later for cleanup yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But um, I, I honestly don't know enough about the logistics of a tour. I just, in my mind, it seems like it's so much work that it, that because particular bit shocked me. But I didn't mean to that... spin off into a whole debate over it. it just... Well, it's not like she hasn't done this before, so it'll be yeah. Like... She's done it a few times here and there. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a part of this uh, Vogue article that I know made this Sammy nearly it. cry. Oh, my God, it did. This um, is not good, guys. Let me, let me share it, Sammy, before you go on your rant, please. <laughs> um, Taylor, Taylor basically said, putting pressure on yourself is good, but putting unnecessary stress on yourself is bad. So I don't worry that I haven't started the next record yet. I don't worry that I don't know what it's going to be. I'm not worried that I have absolutely no timetable as to when it needs to be done. 
It could be two years from now. It could be three. It could be four. Or it could be one. You get these bursts of inspiration at the right moment you're not expecting to. I actually love this quote. I mean, I love it too. And I don't mind that she's not putting pressure on herself and that she's just kind of, you know, letting her, letting the music kind of create itself. Um, and this is something that I have talked about with a lot of people in terms of, you know, whether I think that the album, the next album will be out in two years or if I think she'll take a break. But the fact that she said that she could take a break and that it could be four years is the scariest thing that's ever come out of her mouth. I don't think it's scary because I'm sure she'll do what she wants and it'll be right. And I'm not worried about that. No, so I'm not. I worried about saw that. this quote is really good um, advice for just us as people, because I put um, I put um, I put pressure on myself all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adam knows. <laughs> so I feel like this should be my new mantra because <laughs> I need to just relax. <laughs> so that's why I, I like this quote. No, I, I mean, I agree with that. But at the same time, it's, you know, as a fan, it's terrifying that, like, you know, we have this amazing album musically, you know, we're going to have a tour, but we're so used to getting things every two years that the concept that we won't have something in a, in a year and a half or so is terrifying. Which is why Taylor, in all her business savviness, knows that she needs an album out every two years. I don't uh, know that she does, Because it will severely her... impact her as a business. Yeah, or she, she could doesn't. do something else. She could write a book. She could direct a movie. She could Ooh, well, write a book. I, I, I think know, it depends it... on where I think it depends on where Taylor is at say two years from now. Because you have to also think about this from her actual contract standpoint too, which yeah, I think I mean, is really what she's referring yeah. to here. Because she has, I think she has to still record one more album, one yeah, new album, and, and uh, then also have a greatest, greatest hit. So, but she has to have a greatest hits. Yeah, yes, Steve. How do you her. know the contents of Taylor's contract? I know what's uh, in her. It's on Billboard's website. Yeah, I know what's in it too. Let's go read it. Hmm. It's your homework for this week, guys. Read Taylor's contract. In all its lawyer jargoniness, yeah, no, it doesn't have the whole contract. But what brought up the whole debate and why it's showing on Billboard and a couple other places, some of the information about it, is back in November there were questions. You know, if Big Machine would be up for sale, what Taylor's future would be with it, and everything else like that. And it looks, at least for now, that she's contracted for at least you know the greatest hits and at least another new content sort of thing. So. But that doesn't mean it has to be in two years. I mean, she no, could do, no, I, th she could I think do the, the greatest time... hits in two years, and then she could do a new album in four years. Right. I, I don't. I don't know if there's really any timetables with that. It, maybe there is. Uh, I mean, I, there's not enough detail to really be able to say it's this. But I think that's part of what her thought process is: is how she wants to deal with the greatest hits and also what her next album would be. And I, I think it's going to be when it feels right for her to, you know, take time off or do you do a greatest hits tour? I, I don't know how that can be. It's hard to say. Her greatest hits is going to be fascinating because her it's sound be awesome, has changed dude. so much. I don't know how an album like that would flow. I think it's interesting though. Like it's an interesting concept of like to imagine her releasing a greatest hits because I mean, to me, a greatest hits is like somebody who's like been out for like 20, 30 years and that like, you know, some of their music is like harder to find, whereas like, you know, I feel like I have all of Taylor's library on my iTunes already. So like, I mean, obviously I would get it, but like, 
it's kind of like interesting to visualize because you know I just put Taylor Swift on shuffle and I have my greatest hits. You know what I mean? Like yeah, but it could be directed more at newer fans. But I mean, that's that's not the debate for this episode. We can do that another time. This yeah. episode is about Vogue. <laughs> Vogue. I mean, the last bit. See, of... see, see, when you even say it, you're, you're referring to the Madonna song. So that there goes a Madonna impact yeah. right there. Yeah. What, what about Madonna? When, when you're saying Vogue, Vogue, you're always you saying it as the Vogue song. That you're Madonna. I, I never. Have I didn't heard know there was song. a Vogue song. With the square what? around. Your oh my head. gosh! Come can on. I can I talk about the last part of the Vogue article? No. <laughs> the last bit of Vogue was a clever little video called "The Best Best Friends Game" to see who was the best best friend between Taylor and Carly, and there were four rounds of competitions to see who was the better of the two best friends and. Diane's going to put that up in the show notes so you can go yes. watch it and see who it, it, won. It's hililarious. It's you totally worth to watching it. a thousand it's... times. One, one, of then... the, one of the best things I thought was round one where they mm-hmm. asked the two of them to talk nonstop about their best friend. They said some really funny things. Like how long did they have to do it for? Like 20 seconds? I don't remember. I, don't, I, I think, think it was, it was like, something like a that. minute or something. But Taylor beat Carly and Taylor goes, I'm sorry, friend. Words are my thing. Yeah. <laughs> In that, well, we should we should pin up two of our hosts against each other and do oh, round one. Go. Oh my god! Who Whoever is going up against Sammy is going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put that out there now. Who should it be? Definitely not me. I don't. I don't stand a chance against any of you guys. My heart is pounding. Heck, we have some people comment that it's like, and then like five minutes goes. I'll take by on Sammy for twenty seconds. Anything. I don't have a timer, Steve. Do you have a timer? I do. I do. Well, well, no, you can't, you can't be yourself. the you can't self time. Steve, do you have a timer? I, I can I can bring up a timer. Oh, what, what do you want? Um, tw- twenty seconds, right? Yeah, give me a second here. I 20 guess seconds? I, I guess the talking nonstop about your best friend is the only thing we can do on Taylor Talk. Everything else requires other visuals. Yeah, we can't have a staring contest. <laughs> we can't arm wrestle. Wrestling. No, and we can't blind draw each other. Which Jimmy Fallon and Taylor also did. That was really funny. I would arm wrestle Sammy. Yeah, but you can't do that across the interwebs. (laughs) Okay, Steve, calling it the interwebs. But but how about Taylor's ability to draw pictures of someone without even looking at it? She also writes the name. She labels them. All right, Steve, do you have that timer? I think I have it here now. We're, We're running short on time here. So the rules are me and Sammy have to talk nonstop about each other, saying things about each other. And there can't be a pause or a lapse or somebody loses. So if Steve's timing, Diane, you're the judge. Okay, so I'll just say stop when 20 seconds hits. All right, ready? And yes. Sammy, talk loud because I know okay. that Adam Here we go. talk loud and I want to hear you too. Three, two, one, go. Sammy is really short. She lives in New York. She took her shoes off in New York and walked around barefoot. It was really, really gross. She's really short. I already said that one, but she also has brown hair and she runs T-Swift on tour and she likes to talk a lot and I have to yell at her to be louder on the episode because she talks really quiet on the episode and I need to yell at her to be loud and she likes to drive to New York City and she spends all her money on Taylor Swift. I couldn't hear Sammy because Adam was talking loud. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to it. That was really funny. I think I won. I think I won. No Sammy, way. You took your shoes off in New York City and walked around barefoot? Yeah. When? Isn't that gross? That's cold. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Game over. Adam wins. I crown myself the champion. You can't do that. I won. That was a tie. That was beautiful. Nah. I won. All right. 
What are Swifties listening to, guys, where you tell us what you're listening to that is not Taylor Swift? So Simon emailed us for this week and said that he's listening to Yours by Ella Henderson. Have you guys ever heard this song? I heard it today. You heard it today? I've I've listened to Ghost a lot. That's one that you hear on the radio all the time, but she's really, really good. That's one of my new favorites. She reminds me of, um, oh, I forgot her name, but she won. She was like the first UK X Factor winner. What's her name? starts with an L. Help me, Steve. Oh. Is it Ella Henderson? No, no. I know who, Loretta. No, that's a made-up no. name. Oh God. I, to me, honestly, for yours, I got sort of an Adele vibe. Actually, she has this big, like, soulful voice. She's a 19-year-old singer from the UK. Um, yours is the song Simon suggested. Steve, you brought up Ghost. That's definitely her most popular song. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's Leona Lewis is who yeah, that's her name. Sammy Thank was referring to. Thank oh. you. She well, reminds me of Leona Lewis. Whoever's whoever's interested, definitely check out Ella Henderson. Big voice. But yeah. good choice, good choice. Yeah, I like it. And of course, before we wrap it up, Diane, if you could tell us what's coming up in Taylor's calendar, I would really, really appreciate it. Okay, on Tuesday, February 24th, Ed Sheeran will be a guest on um, BBC One Radio One Breakfast Show with Nick Grimshaw. Taylor was announced to make a special appearance. On Wednesday, February 25th, Taylor is performing at the Brit Awards, where she is nominated for International Female Solo Artist. On Sunday, March 15th, are the Juno Awards in Ontario, Canada. Taylor is nominated for International Album of the Year for 1989. And then on Saturday, March 28th, are the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, where Taylor is nominated for Favorite Female Singer and Favorite Song of the Year for Shake It Off. And then Sunday, March 29th, are the iHeartRadio Music Awards, and they will air on NBC at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Taylor is nominated for Artist of the Year, Song of the Year for Shake It Off, Lyrics of the Year for Blank Space, and Best Fan Army for Us, the Swifties. Yay! Yay Swifties. And you can vote for the Kids' Choice Awards at Nick.com. Nick.com. So you have to lie and be a child, though, right? Yes, okay. you do. Okay. For the kids and the kids at heart. Since that, since that part's clear. Thank you for the calendar, Diane. That about wraps it up for episode 174 of Taylor Talk. Thank you guys for listening. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Love having you guys here. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys know how to contact us. TaylorTalk.org slash contact lists all the methods. We're all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Taylor Connect, or all TaylorTalk13. Like I said, we got that new Instagram account. That's TaylorTalkPod. Podcast. You can email us, podcast at taylortalk.org. I don't remember everything else. There you are can email ways. us individually at our yes. names at taylortalk.org. Especially with stump the host questions. So if you send it to one of us, don't send it to all of us. Just send it to one of us, and then you can even say who you want to say it for. So Send stump the host questions to Steve at taylortalk.org. <laughs> or Sammy at taylortalk. Yeah, or those are fun. Or Diane at TaylorTalk.org. Or Adam at TaylorTalk.org. But don't send them to Adam for Adam. That would be inappropriate and <laughs> might work with the game. <laughs> hey, hey guys, I, I looked up this uh, the Instagram picture, by the way. Uh, it is a picture of Carly and Taylor next to an elephant seal that they found oh, around. The oh, yes. an elephant. Yes, they, they were actually not riding a horse. So before everybody says that, no, that I'm an idiot, <laughs> at least I... <laughs> I, at least I looked into it, yes. So there is an animal in the picture with them. It just doesn't have to be a horse that they're riding on. That's Well, thank you for the clarifications. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Hope everybody enjoyed the episode. Again, show notes are going to be at taylortalk.org slash episode 174. Make Diane's heart grow three sizes larger and read it, please. Yay. taylortalk.org slash episode 174. That does it for this week, guys. For episode 174 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast, this has been Adam. Diane. Sammy. And Steve. Saying have a great week, guys. See you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.